yeah, I mean, after the first, just the, the energy and, you know, the booze and stuff, rightfully so, but, um, you know, I'm not going to go to sleep quite yet. Van Morning Show, Sportsnet 590. You got Van. the chuckle. Van Ennis, Brent Gunning, Austin Matthews after his hockey team trailed 4-1 after the opening 20 minutes, riding a four-game losing streak. Were boot off the ice for the second time this season. Yeah. At the end of a period. What did he do? Well, he scored his 12th goal of the season, two minutes and 22 seconds into the second period. And not only scored his 12th goal of the season, mm-hmm. I mean, was maybe his most demonstrative of the season in celebrating that goal showed emotion mm-hmm. that we've been asking this team to show numerous times. I mean, they didn't show it when one of their young up-and-coming defensemen went down yeah. for a prolonged period of time, was taken into the boards mm-hmm. by one of the players with, I mean, if you were going to say, hey, the Leafs lost a player uh, for multiple months due to injury, and it was because of a player, how long down the list would you have to go before you got Brad Marchand? Well, I don't know who's on the Mount Rushmore, but it's Brad Marchand, Corey Perry, and Nikita Kucherov. So I don't know who else is on there with them, but yes. Did not show emotion in that moment, (laughs) but in a moment in which things are teetering. Like, Mm -hmm. not again, we'll get to the Oilers in a second, not to that degree, but we did, like, in just a little bit, talk about this team in crisis after the four straight losses, the the team meetings they were having Mm -hmm. after that moment to come back and respond the way they did with their best 20-minute performance of the season, highlighted by two goals from the guy that's the best player on this team, the best player in franchise history, yep. Austin Matthews. Yeah, it was it was incredible. I mean, again, not a guy who is overly emotional all the time. I don't I don't paint that to me. I don't I don't say that to mean he's overly stoic either. He's just kind of a more even even keel guy. But yeah, it was awesome to see him uh, him do that. You know, any anytime you're you're able to kind of make a little jokes after the game like that, I, I think it's pretty telling of of how things went. But you know, you mentioned the the team meeting there, uh, Ellie. Friedman on the 32 thoughts podcast had talked about exactly that and the idea of uh, the team meeting and, and what happened after, after that Boston game. So this is Frege from the 32 thoughts podcast that was released uh, yesterday morning. And they had a team meeting and the players spoke, he spoke, Brad tree living, the GM, I understand spoke. And what they talked about was it's instinctive for championship teams. And I, I heard one of the things that was said in there Nobody will confirm it, but I heard one of the things that was said was other teams know that they can push us around. Man, that is damning. And, you know, like Friedman said on a podcast, he hasn't had it confirmed, but he felt good enough to say it into a microphone that we're all going to hear. That is damning. Now, I will say I feel much better about hearing concrete evidence or a concrete report that they are addressing it head on and saying these things. Cause I don't know that we have heard, we have heard that we all think that about mm. the team in the past. I don't know that. And I don't know that it didn't happen either, but the fact that Treliving went down to the room, I don't know that Kyle Dubas has gone in there to tear a strip out of the team. Mm. I don't quite frankly know how that would have gone mm. given his relationship with some of those guys and the, you know, the human element, all of that stuff. That is very telling to me that Treliving felt a need to to be involved in that. And I don't, I am not criticizing him for it at all. I think, you know, again, Kipper and Bourne, they were talking about this as well. You get to do that a couple of times, as good a time as any. Yeah, to me, the key word 
was instinctual. Mm. It is instinctual for championship level teams to have a level of response when something like that happens. Yeah. I mean, how is a team meeting going to address that? Hey, guys, like become different people so that your instincts are are different than what you showed in that moment against a division rival, a, a game that you should have been up for considering, yeah. you know, that was the team at the top of the Atlantic division had yet yeah. to suffer a regulation loss. Like, change your instincts. Like, I don't know well, what, so, conver- what conversation the general manager of the hockey team can have with you that that has your, your instincts, which mm-hmm. to me feels like, your core changed right. yep. in, in a in a meaningful way. The way the way I look at it is I don't I don't know about you, but I'd say I'm good for once every three summers telling myself like, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna get in shape. I'm gonna be a different man. And obviously I'm not doing it this year, uh, you know, because I have my wonderful morning show, but it's like I'm gonna get up early and go for runs. And you can trick yourself into doing it. And I've even heard stories of people who have, in fact, changed their lives and become healthier. And you can just make a decision. And if you are part of a group holding each other accountable, it cannot, you cannot decide today this is a part of who we are now and it clicks immediately. But if you do hold yourself... And I don't know that that's happening because there were moments there could have been more pushback against Buffalo and it didn't happen. There was a little bit more of that last night against Tampa, but I also think they are a different team when they play Tampa. The, all this talk about, oh, are they different because they got over the hump? They are against that team, that one specific team. Mm-hmm. They do look at it and say, no, no, we can beat these guys. No matter what the circumstances yeah, of the game, weird. it's fine. So against that team, they have that stuff in them, but I think that it is an important message to have driven home. And if it's going to happen, and it's entirely possible, it's probably likely that it won't. It does start with a concerted effort. And, and or I shouldn't say a concerted effort, but a concerted point of addressing it as a team. Again, I think this has been something nebulous that has maybe been talked about a little bit amongst the team in the past. But the fact that there was a meeting addressing this with not just the players, not just the coach, but the general yeah, this manager. Is it. Accountability. This feels different. Accountability is something that we've talked about. Hey, where where is the accountability? I mean, <laughs> there have been so many postseason failures. There's not even been – I mean, there's been direct answers to, hey, is is it time to think about breaking no. up the core <laughs> Like, ne- no, of course not. Are you crazy? Year over year over year over year. And, yeah, they went around, but they went out in five games – to the 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 Florida Panthers, a, a, t- a team that was eminently beatable, and I, I think eventually once they got to the Cup final, I, I, I think that yeah, yeah that was proven correct. But again, no real accountability there. I mean, even with the general manager who eventually moved on, he was offered a he contract extension. <laughs> I mean, he was eventually well, yes, yeah, but he was offered a contract extension. Yeah, if if you are going to look at at a a team meeting spearheaded by the new general manager the only different part of this than what we've seen in the in the previous more than a half decade it would be some level of account and i don't know like the tenor of that conversation right M- maybe it was just like hey guys hey reminder why i acquired you yeah. tyler bertuzzi yeah you scored 30 goals and you had 10 points in seven games with the bruins but it's also like that secondary element that you're supposed to bring to this mm-hmm. team like you know, not, not laughing when when right. Brad Marchand takes you maybe. know Timothy Lilligren out for the entire season. God, but maybe it was a little harsher. Maybe that is finally for the first time, uh, uh, this Leafs core and I guess yeah the Austin Matthews tenure where yep. we've seen a level of accountability and it's not public facing right. 
Like we haven't, that's not towards us, but mm-hmm. I haven't heard any report, like you said, yeah. uh, uh, Kyle Dubas entering the room, holding his players to account for something like this before. Yeah, and it's entirely possible it happened. You know, it's possible Shanahan has spoken to the group in, in years past, and I'm going to talk about it at the end of a season, but during it, you know, these are all possibilities. But I think that for a guy like Treliving, who, and like maybe it's just dumb perception, but it's like he is seen as a... And again, it's like Kyle Dubas was a stick boy in the Sioux when he was 12. He's a hockeyman too, but he is seen as a tough and rumble. And look at those Flames teams he has built out there. There is clearly a style of game he is comfortable with and wants to see from his teams. And even if it's just coming from that place, right? Mm -hmm. You know, say what you will about Dubas and the tenure here. There was so much... And this is good. People should evolve as they're in the job. Maybe it's why he shouldn't have been evolving in this job. Fair criticism to be had. But you saw him evolving his thinking more towards that line. Look at Achari. Look at Ryan O'Reilly. The guys he went out and and acquired there. So, yeah, I have no problem with tree living using that bullet. And I do wonder if part of it as well is obviously it was spiraling. But also you you have some time to get this message to set now before you have to take – because – you know what would be the most frustrating thing in the world is if the Leafs look like this for three games or, well, I won't even say this because they didn't show it to the full extent last night against Tampa, although they were good. But if they are a team that sticks up for each other and they have each other's backs and then they take a week off and they go play a game in a Sweden arena that I'm sure is going to be rocking and raucous, but I don't know that it's going to feel like a regular NHL game either. I just worry that some of those habits, even if they show them, can kind of mm. get wiped away by my least favorite thing in the world, the Sweden mm. trip. Yeah. They got five days off between games. Like, yeah, I mean, that's that, not nothing. It is It is strange, but I I mean, the opposite might be true, that it might feel like more of an event game in, in Sweden that I'm sure, like, the Kansas City Chiefs felt like when they went to Germany, we'll talk to Peter King, yeah. who was in Germany, by the way, uh, after 8.30, like, they, they went into that barn and felt like they were the home team yep. like and i guess by letter of the law they were the home yes. team but yeah i expect the leafs to kind of feel like that when they go to sweden despite would, the fact that they are not by the letter of the law the home team in those uh, games no because the league has to buy out the gate for whoever the home team is so a uh, shocker they decided the wild and wings could uh could could pay uh they'd pay for for that instead the wings one may be a little different just lidstrom they've had mm, some they've had some good swedes like obviously the leafs have had as well but lidstrom like i mean Mount Rushmore of like yeah. modern hockey, let alone just, just Swedish hockey there. So yeah, it's uh it's it's pretty it'll be interesting to see those games. And you're right, maybe they do feel a little bigger, but I think you're gonna feel weird. I don't I don't know. And maybe this is just like maybe this is totally unfair caveman opinion to me, but I have a hard time believing it's gonna be like rock'em sock'em hockey over in Sweden. I feel like Billy Nylander's gonna be flying around and doing things. I know it's the wings in the wild, like those are two, you know, kind of sturdier, more steady teams. Wings are pu- wings are putting up a lot of points this year. But yeah, I don't know. I don't it doesn't doesn't feel like fight night in the Swedish gardens or wherever the hell they're playing. Yeah, I mean, it hasn't, despite the fact that, you know, the Leafs had a fighting major in, what, the first three games of the season. I think in 2023-24, it's not necessarily fight night on a nightly basis in the I, National Hockey I think, League. I think Ryan Reeves won one in the worst way last night, and then the second that game went the way it did. The second, basically the third goal went in on, on Sammy, that was the end of that for him. Uh, Nick Robertson making his season debut for the Maple Leafs yesterday as Pontus Holmberg was uh, sent back down to the Marlies, and for the first time... This season, the third line had a bunch of juice with Max Domi centering a line uh, with Yarn Croak and Robertson. This feels like a huge moment in Nick Robertson's Leafs tenure. Mm -hmm. Like if this, if if he doesn't have staying power 
in in this iteration of a third line, I mean, it, it's going to be very difficult to convince yourself that there is a future with this team. And early results, real positive, but this feels like make or break for Nick Robertson. Like, it doesn't feel like there's another demotion to the Marlies upcoming, and then you can convince yourself that he's still a future piece of this team. I I agree with you, but it's a third, or it's a slightly different facet for me, is that you have to use him for something. He either has to help this team, and I understand if he can't, then the asset is diminished, but then you have to use him as an as an asset. The idea of Nick well, Robertson... That's, that's what I'm just, talking about. Either you trade him exactly. or he's a, a part of this team going forward. And I also said that at the beginning of the preseason, when I was, la- you know, when they were laying out the lines, the idea of there being, and this was, uh, this was in the very, very briefly uh, world of William Nylander being a center for this team, but I thought that that was maybe more of a roadmap to Robertson... Being, being able to click and have a role because you need him to play with an offensive center. There was no world where it was going to be Robertson and Holmberg, and that's the line you feel great about, or Robertson and Camp, and that's the line you feel great about. Unfortunately for him, uh, right side of the top six, pretty tough to crack for the Leafs. Not going to be better than Marner, not going to be better than Nylander. If you are even close one day, we'll all be laughing, and then you'll we'll figure out that problem when we get there. So it has to be mm-hmm. on that third line spot. Max Domi, a gifted passer, a creative player, a guy who also, again, for all his defensive warts and man, are they there, plays with juice, plays with jam and say what you will about Robertson and the lack of production he has had compared to the hype. He always brings you energy. He doesn't, it doesn't always work as well. Sometimes it gets him out of spots. Like we've seen that in the past for him, but he brings the energy every night. And again, now we've heard this myth with the a million times that third line should be able to play very well against other third lines, but we've been saying that about the Leafs team for the entire, basically since Tavares signed. Well, I'm encouraged that there is a decision being made with that third line, that it's a thing. It's, hey, you could have gone full punt and and punt is Holmberg and uh, David Camp, and I don't know why Max Domi would be on that line. Like that, you could have turned it into a, a punt line. Yep. Instead, you've gone full offense, right? Like we understand that Max Domi is going to have some issues mm-hmm. playing center when he's in his own zone oh for six in the dot last night by the way yeah but the idea is you're you're understanding that that is going to be a potential weakness of that team but that line and this is the situation that nick robertson has to be put in is on the ice to create offense that's their job and they have a defensively responsible right winger and kelly yarn but that is a that is a line that does something the thing it's supposed to do is score goals. That, that ain't no punt line anymore. No. And then the other the other thing that is working out very well, and you saw it at the tail end of the game, and, you know, this is a, uh, a roster construction problem in its own right, but because that line, just because the least lean on their top six to the extent they do, rightfully so, when you have good players, you you should play them, that that line doesn't get a ton of run at, at five on five. I mean, Max Domi played 14 minutes last night. Robertson got a little power play time, so I think his number was just, just a touch higher. But then if you have Yarncrock on that line, he is your kind of break glass guy, whether you need him in the Reeves spot on the yeah. fourth line. Uh, didn't happen last night, but if you want to at times bump him up to the Bertuzzi spot to see if you can get something going there, that is where I like it, where you say, okay, this is a player in Yarncroft who can clearly play more than 14 or 15 minutes a night. I'm going to stick him with this line, and that's going to be his job, but then I am going to kind of spot him in other spots, and the chief among them was kind of taking all Revo's ice time last night. Yeah, he was the guy that uh, was notably skating on that line with with David Camp and, and Noah Greger in the third period. When yeah, the only forward with more defensive zone starts than him last night was Camp. 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's his job. Uh, which is better, honestly, than him leading the team in offensive zone draws like he was at the beginning yes. of the season when they were trying to protect that fourth line. Yes. Um, yeah. It, it, the, his job is supposed to be winning draws in the defensive zone and then not allowing goals. Being captain of the punt team. All right. Time now for something to chew on. Brought to you by Great Canadian Meats. The Edmonton Oilers now 0-3 against the Vancouver Canucks this season as they get, again, blown out of the barn 6-2 yesterday by the Canucks. Mm -hmm. Stuart Skinner allowing all six goals on 36 shots. The Oilers now 2-8-1 through 11 games this season. Brent, I mean, the the numbers are gory any way you want to look at it. Mm -hmm. Obviously, the numbers are gorier for for Jack Campbell than they are even for Stuart Skinner. How gory are are the numbers for the Oilers? Well, their save percentage is dead last in the <laughs> National Hockey League, and that yes, that includes the San Jose Sharks, who oh quite God. notably allowed double digit goals in back to back games this season. It is unbelievable the way things have started now through. 11 games for this Oilers team that had Stanley Cup aspirations. Yeah, man, in a big, big way. I mean, like, think about all the praise we lavished on them for the Eckholm trade. There was so much of this is their Jake Muzzin trade and uh, maybe should have picked a better trade. Not that that was Muzzin's fault, but uh, that didn't literally, again, like the Jake Muzzin trade was a good one, but it did literally nothing to change the fortunes of the Leafs. They continued to lose in the first round, and then Mm -hmm. again, through no fault of his own, he was not here when they finally broke through and and got over the hump. The Ekholm trade was kind of supposed to be that for them. Bouchard, hot young power play specialist, he was really supposed to take kind of a leap. Has not happened for him this year, but it saves, man. It saves, it saves, it, it saves. The Oilers have always played this brand of kind of up and down fire wagon hockey. It's what happens when you have the fastest player on the planet and then one of the other best five centers in the league or however you want to look at it. And you got the Nuge and you got Evander Kane. It's what happens. But in order to do that, you need a spine back there and you need a guy who can steal game. Or I shouldn't even say steal games. You need a guy who can steal moments for you. Just stop the bleeding. They can't get a save to save their life right now. So it doesn't matter what the rest of that roster looks like, quite honestly. Yeah. I mean, they they need uh, at least league average goaltending, but they also, I mean, rely so much on Connor McDavid doing otherworldly things, mm-hmm. right? And it's hard to say that the Leafs don't also rely on Austin Matthews doing otherworldly things because he's doing otherworldly yep. things and they're, they, they, they're not quite over 500 yet, yep. right? Like, <laughs> Very fair. <laughs> right? But they are getting the otherworldly things from Austin Matthews and Connor McDavid hasn't been fully healthy this mm-hmm. season and it is starting to look more Connor McDavid-like. Yep. You know, the guy that scored, what, 63, 64 goals a season ago. I th- There's a couple of things coming to a head. One is... The head coach, because again, you you can't fire the players, right? Do? Everyone's and, capped out, and and we're we're at a a point in the season, uh, yeah. And Elliot Friedman always alerting us to the the U.S. Thanksgiving of it all, and, and then I just get hungry <laughs> every, every time. <laughs> They're running at a time. They get like you got to go on a run now, ish. But also the Jack Campbell of it all. Mm-hmm. Like at, at a certain point, you are what you are, and you got to start thinking about rolling the dice with an eventual buyout. But like the idea that. Okay, he still has three more years beyond this one at five million per. Can impact your decision making there. You, you, you might be able to find league average goaltending outside of the National Hockey League right now. Like that's 
Like you, you're getting to that point that the sample is growing to such a degree that you you got to start thinking about desperation plays in net. Aiden Hill won the cup last year. Okay. You can find, you can find guys. Now, obviously playing behind that Vegas team and playing behind Edmonton are literal North and South pole. I don't know which is which, but one's good. And one's very, very bad. The thing that I keep coming back to with this is, you know, like, we all know what time it is for the Oilers. I don't think anybody is sitting here going, McDavid's going to leave. Even me, the king of McDavid's going to leave. I don't think he's going to leave. He's going to stay in Edmonton. They just they just made his agent the, the president and CEO over there, okay? I think he's going to stay. Leon Dreisaitl, I would be pretty surprised if he leaves. Now, the cap is a little trickier with him because he's going to need a big, big raise, but I'd imagine they find a way to figure this out, but... You're never going to have a better chance to win than when you're paying those guys eight and whatever it is that McDavid makes is 12-5. Both of them are getting raises, only going to get harder. Those guys are only going to get older. You cannot afford to just go, ah, not the year. We'll figure this problem out for next season. There is no punting during a McDavid season. If he breaks his collarbone tomorrow like he did that in his rookie year, yeah, that changes the conversation on things. And maybe it is not Mach 10 to get Jack Campbell's money off the books and find another goalie. But so long as those two guys are healthy, and again, they got other great players on the team, but it's, it's really just those two guys. So long as they're doing this and mm-hmm. what they're capable of, you have to give them a chance and just neither of those guys do it right now. The question is, is just what does that mean? I mean, uh, you know, in recent Leafs vintage, Kyle Dubas was able to get out of a pretty bad Peter Morazic move. Now, again, maybe this was uh, like ultimate thinking by the Blackhawks of knowing he was the ultimate tank asset. And that's why they only gave up as little as they did. But in season to move off a contract like that, I mean, paying out the nose forever. It's picks, it's picks, it's picks, it's prospects, it's prospects, it's prospects. And guess what? We talk about this with the Leafs. You can make those deals. You can go trade your picks and your prospects for things that will help you or getting rid of something that's hurting you, but you can only do it so many times. Oh, and the other thing about the cap, now Connor Brown's injury, luckily for, well, unluckily for the Oilers, unlucky for him, that's a bonus-laden deal. They're going to have cap problems next year should he hit on any of those. So it is, uh, man, it's getting dark in Edmonton, and you do have to push in to take advantage of this. And I just, I'd be dying to know what the cost is to to get rid of Campbell. It is... I guess more than a one issue problem for the Oilers, but it for feels sure. pretty close to a one issue problem. You know who the top three teams in expected goals for percentage at five on five in the National Hockey League are? I'll take it. Give it to me. The Los Angeles Kings, who are very good. Colorado Avalanche, oh, also good. Not as good as the Vegas Golden Knights no. by a matter of seven goals. The Edmonton Oilers are third, which is not everything, right? Nope. Like, it does give you an indication of how much of the game is. Part of that is score effects because they've, they've trailed some games so just significantly, yeah. right? Like, what did they lose? 8-1 to the Canucks game boy, one of the season? That's a, lot of, that's a lot of the game where the Canucks are like, fine, have the puck on the outside. We, we don't care. Take your, <laughs> your outside shots. That's, yeah. Like, what are we? We're going to continue to roll our top line over the, over the boards? No, yeah. you can have that. But that... <laughs> does give you an indication that the team with the worst save percentage in the National Hockey League, a team that, yeah, went on that incredible run after the trade deadline last year and basically is the same version of that team, yeah. but looks like one of the worst teams in the National Hockey League. Yeah, I would say 90% of the problem here is goaltending. You can't, here's what I'd say about it, is that there are for sure problems beyond goaltending, but you can't even know what any of those are right Right. now. We see it with this Leafs team. That game last night 
looked at, and now kudos to them. They had every opportunity to do this. They could have gone full. This is a Michael Hutchinson game. Oh my God, we just have no chance. Great, here we go. But guess what? The savior, Joe Wall came over the boards and they have that belief that they can do it. I have know what it's like when a team gets no goaltending. I have watched it every single time. Sorry to his family and Barry that Hutch had to start for this team. Mm-hmm. Every single time. Scheduled loss. They were going to give up one on the first three, one, two or three shots of the game and it was kind of going to be over from there. And that's what it feels like is happening with Edmonton. They just, they know the backbreaker is lurking around the corner at any given time. And when it's a one-off, when David Ayers is playing, or sorry, I don't even like saying his name. He who shall not be named mm. is playing goal for the Hurricanes. Yeah, on a one-off, you can say, all right, no shots tonight. We'll we'll just lock it down. You can't play like that every night. And you shouldn't play like that when you have McDavid and Dreisaitl. Yeah, it's rough times. Whew. Mm, interesting times, though. Fun to get did. lathered up about something else other than the Leafs. That was a, it was fun. We'll get back to the Leafs. Oh, though. I know. But it's, it, it, I mean, here's the question for our next guest. I mean, do the Leafs own the Lightning? Mm-hmm. As it continues twice now this season, they've been down multiple goals, made a goaltending change, came all the way back to beat a Lightning team that's now lost 11 consecutive overtime games. I was floored when we overheard that stat from uh, Cuthbert last night when we were sitting beneath him in the press box there. We'll talk to... Former Stanley Cup champion Brayden Coburn about that and plenty more next. As the Fan Morning Show continues, Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Dive deep into Toronto sports and the NFL. The J.D. Bunkus Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Fan Morning Show, Sportsnet 590, the fan, Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning. We have a, another Toronto Argonauts playoff football giveaway for our listeners today. Saturday, November 11th, the defending Grey Cup champion, Toronto Argonauts with Chad Kelly, Swag Kelly, facing off against the Montreal Alouettes at BMO Field, 3 p.m. to enter for a chance to win two tickets to check out the action text. Today's code word, Argos, to 590-590. Again, today's code word is Argos. Texas into 590-590 right now to enter for your chance to win tickets to Saturday's game. Giving away one last pair of tickets tomorrow. But if you don't win with us, you can secure your tickets to Saturday's game at Ticketmaster.ca. I haven't heard this long into the song. Yeah. There's like more lyrics. Well, I was going to mention, isn't it funny how now that there's hockey to talk about, goal song discourse. Pretty low on the pecking order. <laughs> How many hours did we collectively as a society do about the great shame, apparently, to all of you that was Hall & Oates as the mm. goal song? And now it's just they have 37 of them, and nah, who cares? No point in talking about That was about the only it. one we heard yesterday. Yeah, but they have because okay, it's, it's a game to so game. Like, this is oh, a, look, we're doing the thing that you said we're not doing anymore. I'm making fun of it. Okay, I'm not doing it. I'm doing it tongue-in-cheekly making fun of it. But I'm yeah. just saying. We had a lot of conversation about the goal song. Guess what? Doesn't matter. Still, they still Whoa. play the good slap shot song when they win. That's all that matters. Okay. <laughs> Shout out Maxime Nightingale, who I should double check, but last I checked, still with us. Don't do the thing where it's like, guess what? It doesn't matter. It's like, yeah, no, we knew it never mattered. Some, you know what else doesn't matter? Sports don't matter. Okay, Brad. Okay, Frank. You know the real <laughs> heroes, the first responders. That's still my. That's still in all the time we've been doing a show together. The best answer we've got from a guest. So you asked Frank Saravelli if you, it should be okay that your kid wears ninety one. He said the yeah, real heroes are the first responders, yeah, right, which yeah. is just. Awesome. I mean, he's not wrong. <laughs> yeah, he should wear first responders on the it back would, of his jersey. Man, could you imagine your kid just showed up with like a fireman on the mm-hmm. back of his jersey or something? Mm-hmm. 
He's got his first uh, hockey tournament uh, next week. He has to take the, the day off school on a Friday. Oh, yeah. I think my wife... Probably like, not thrilled. Not Didn't realize that that was the situation. That was We were going to spend thousands of dollars and like uh, it was going to be a lot of travel and yeah. a lot of like cold rinks. And also he yeah. was going to miss a day of school. I mean, he's in can we, grade three. I don't know how much you want to do this, but can we quickly power rank which of those she likes the least? Like, mm-hmm. is it the cold rank? Is it the missing school? Mm-hmm. The thousands of dollars? I can tell you as a, well. She's I would from change Texas. my mind depending on the day immediately. Well, so. she's from Texas, and like mm-hmm. the, around this part in the calendar, she literally <laughs> does not go outside. Like, she doesn't know what's going on out there because she can't. She can't bear it. It's like, it's, and today's a beautiful day. It's like ten too cold. Absolutely like, not. Disgusting. Not happening. And um, yeah, your, your your kid is a little bit younger, so you haven't been to some of the the ranks around Burlington. Yeah. There's one in particular, yeah, Aldershot yeah. Arena, which oh, is, I've been there. I mean, you think my kid's not dragging me to every public skating I can find them to? My yeah. good, and apparently it has been renovated. But my goodness, is that an old barn? She's and chilly. It is freezing yeah. cold, and that's where all his home games oh, are. Great. So she, no, that's 100 number one <laughs> in the power rankings as far as. Uh, as far as things she hates most about it, I can tell you the thing I hate most about oh, it. Oh, please. Is the money. Yeah, I, was, I, I, didn't, I didn't ask because I knew <laughs> yeah. that, was the, that was the thing, yeah. is the money. Uh, it's a lot of driving, though. Like, oh, okay. If they could tell you you could teleport to every game or have mm. the money back, I know it would be money back, but mm-hmm. you'd think about it for a bit, wouldn't you? No, no you just I- immediately <laughs> take the money. <laughs> Give me the money. Always the money. Anyway, finger thing means the taxes. Yeah. Um, the Toronto Maple Leafs own the Tampa Bay Lightning. Okay. The Tampa Bay Lightning, maybe you can argue outplayed them over the, the course of uh, the six game series that the Maple Leafs won. Yes. And game six in overtime. I, I One of the 11 consecutive overtime games that the Tampa Bay mm-hmm. Lightning have, have lost consecutively. But. Yeah, they they handled the Lightning. And you know what? The Lightning handled the Leafs the season prior. But, I mean, proceeding that six-game series victory, you have a, a Lightning team that went up 3-1 on home ice, mm-hmm. chasing Ilya Samsonov in similar fashion, although it was three goals on four shots as opposed to four on whatever eight it was yesterday. Leafs come all the way back, win that game in overtime. Matthew Nyes with his first two goals of the season. And then yesterday, mm-hmm. up 4-1. It was 4-1, Brent. Now we can make those jokes. Now. And and the Leafs come all the way back. Uh, Austin Matthews with a pair of goals and Callie Yarncroke with the overtime winner to win both games this season over a team that apparently is going to get Andre Vasilevsky back before the end of the month. Yeah, what? honestly, what the hell? Like, how how, uh, yeah. how are we doing this in the year 2023? It's like, I thought they were dead and gone. I thought I wasn't going to have to think about this. And Vasilevsky is just lurking around the corner like a monster or zombie in a, in a horror film. I think that the fact that they got over the hump, I mean, I think that that's a little overstated of the idea that they won one playoff series and all of a sudden they're just winners who know how to win. I think they kind of proved that maybe that's not the case in the next round, uh, what they did against Florida. But Mm -hmm. against that one specific team, it's the team they're the most battle-tested against. Mm -hmm. It is the team that, yes, they've had their most crushing defeats against, but even in all of those crushing series that ended up with defeats, it's like they all went six or seven because you were pushing, 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 and then you finally do 
get over the hump and then you stamp it home with two comeback wins this year. It just, you have, we always talk about stacking wins and stacking Mm -hmm. momentum. When was the last time this Leaf team felt bad about themselves when they looked across and saw the team that stole their jerseys? That's the, the, yeah, you have institutional memory and hey, the same is true about those Bruins series. They went deep. They went seven. I still think you look at that Bruins jersey and there is because they never did it. Right. There, There is still a bugaboo for the Leafs about that jersey as opposed yep. to the Lightning jersey. I think you get another postseason matchup between these two, and there's yeah, there's still going to be the longer-term discussion about whether this team can break through and win a Stanley Cup for the first time since 1967. Mm-hmm. But I think if you're a Leaf fan, I mean, you feel pretty good about that matchup, even if Andre Vasilevsky is back in net, because, and maybe, you know... Him having off-season surgery is related to him looking as human as you've ever seen yeah. him over this six game. I, I don't know if the Leafs figured out that shooting high from the point on Andre Vasilevsky was like his kryptonite, but yeah, you also have institutional memory mm-hmm. of of getting pucks pass, uh, past him in, in Tampa. I, I don't know. T- to me, there is something to the idea that you look across the way and you know what? Probably played into the confidence this team had after the opening 20 minutes to go back into the dressing room and look at each other and say, hey, we're not out of this thing. No. Like, look at that team. Look at who they have in net also. Um, and look at the success we've had a- a- against them in coming back from multiple goal deficits. We can do that again. They did. Yeah, I, I think that they they absolutely have the, the utmost confidence. And look, just because they own them, it doesn't mean a first-round series against the Lightning wouldn't be terrifying. I mean, we saw what Kucherov did last yeah, night. So we saw it's what Stamkos did. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's all you see to your pants and you're dying with everything. There's no, there is no playoff matchup. Like, go ahead, pick the team right now that is a viable quasi-playoff team. You're not going to sit there saying, oh, least for sure winning that series. It's not the way it goes, like in the NHL these days. Look at how tight every first-round series is. So I'm with you. I do think that you have to look at it a bit and say and say that they, they own them. I, I will say that it's entirely possible Vasilevsky comes back from hip surgery and all of a sudden the oh, yeah. the owning is over because that guy can just decide games on his own and they have plenty of players who can do that who aren't the goaltender. So, yeah, it's uh, that's the part that I think is lingering in the back of a lot of people's mind that he's coming back sooner rather than later is pretty scary. It is. Uh, but you know what? He's not back yet and... Maple Leafs take advantage in a couple of games in a couple of overtime victories against the Tampa Bay Lightning this season after Ilya Samsonov was chased in both uh, both outings, but uh, Joseph Wall doing a tremendous job in relief again yesterday. Let's talk to a former Stanley Cup champion, host of the Block Party podcast, part of the Lightning TV broadcast as well. It's Brayden Coburn joining us online. How's it going, Brayden? Hey, great, guys. How are you guys? Doing very well. I mean, the question has to be asked. Do the Leafs own the Lightning now? Wow. Yeah, sure nice start, like eh? Holy. Yeah, right right into the fire. Thanks, boys. Um, it uh, for the, there's, the, the Lightning have played well for two periods of this matchup so far this year, and, and it looks like the Leafs, you know, including both overtime periods, they've been quite dominant and um it's just kind of a, a Jekyll and Hyde type of thing. Either one team is dominating or another team's getting stumped. Uh, it, there's no, been no middle ground in this matchup so far. Yeah, you know, we've been talking about the fact that, I mean, in this market specifically, there has been so much conversation of what would it mean for the Leafs to finally get over the hump? And, you know, I don't know that it's changed them as a team, but I do think they feel differently 
when they play Tampa, now that they have actually won a series and it's against that, that team. I mean, you obviously have had a, had a, had a long career, won a cup there. What does it do for, for you as a, as a player or for a team as a whole, when you have that kind of first taste of success, does it, does it change who you are? Does it change the way you, you think about things? Like what, what does it do to a player to have that kind of first shot of it? Well, it's funny you mentioned that. And I was thinking about that today and the fact that there's certain teams for whatever reason they end up kind of like owning you psychologically. And it's just, there's a hump where you can't get over it. And I remember the Boston Bruins were like that for us uh, for a little while. And during my career, there was other teams where we played, where we felt like we had that edge on them. And kind of one of those things, no, bad, no, no matter how badly we played, we were still able to, to pull up the win somehow. And for a long time, I thought the, the, Lightning had that over the Leafs, and the Leafs have kind of been able to break through that barrier now. But there's a lot of different learning lessons that take place for a team to become a championship-caliber team, and it's it's not easy. There's a reason that that there's there's turnover, and and the the Leafs have really been kind of spinning their tires trying to find the right formula. It's kind of a very similar formula that the the Lightning did um, in their two Stanley, uh, Stanley Cup runs. Yeah, uh, one of the things that we're we're learning about in in recent days that they've talked about in a in a team only meeting, um, and you know what, the general manager came down to the dressing room to address it as well was the lack of pushback when Timothy Lilligren was was knocked out for a prolonged period of time after a pretty dirty uh, trip by uh, Brad Marchand in Boston uh, into the the end boards, and there was a discussion about hey, you know what, championship caliber teams have an instinctual response to something like that that they they don't need to be told hey you you got to respond physically like they they instinctually want to defend their teammates they they, they want to act like you know they care about each other can that be taught like if we're already going through a portion of the season where something like that has taken place i mean isn't that in your dna or like can a conversation amongst the players change that going forward well the Leafs probably like a lot of teams, unless you're really well established. The beginning of the year is a feel-out period where you're trying to find your identity. And it's up to the coaching staff, it's up to the players, it's a collective decision to try to cultivate exactly what that identity is going to look like. And everyone's got a different idea what that's going to be and put different emphasis on what parts of that identity they want to really focus on. And... I, I really believe, you know, that kind of thing. I, I know you guys have kind of talked about this in the Toronto media a lot and worked it to uh, a different degree than most sports markets would. But there's there's a certain sense that good teams, when there's something happen like that, regardless whether you think it was a dirty play or a good play, it's just everybody stands up for everybody. And, you know, looking forward for the for the Leafs, that might be just one of those things where it's a great learning lesson and, and it might not be talked about again for the rest of the year because it's been addressed within the first twelve games of the season. How much of that does how much of that has to come and you know, there's it's one thing to have a collective conversation about it, but I mean I'll I'll just look at your your lightning team. I mean, like one of your leaders, Kucherov, is wired that way. Like, you know, I, I mean this as a compliment. He's a snapshot. He'll get angry. He will lose it on on players. He will he will take liberties with guys if he feels that's what he needs to do. How much of that has to stem from the from the best players uh, on, on the team? Because I think the reason why it's been such a topic of conversation here is you look at the Leafs teams that have been built over 
over the years. And you can point to it and say, that's a team that should be able to get over at least a hump of winning around. And I think it's just, that's the one thing we see that's not there. How much of that has to come from, you know, Ryan Reeves have been brought in this year and Max Domi and Tyler Bertuzzi, but you know, those guys aren't the, you know, the leaders, the, the core of, of this team, how much of it has to come from, from those type of players? You're absolutely right. There's there's certain makeups of players that that's instinctively made it into their DNA as a hockey player. But I also believe that a lot of guys have that in them. And for whatever reason, whether it's been coached out of them, they're scared to take a bad penalty. They're going to go back to the bench. It's going to be, hey, you got to be more disciplined than that because you know every hockey player has been and drilled since they were little, like discipline, discipline. So it's kind of hard sometimes when you're telling a guy you got to be the aggressor. We have to settle a score here. We have to stand up for someone, even if it means taking an instigator, taking an extra penalty. There's a message that needs to be sent, and those are the penalties I think that coaches really look at at the end and saying, hey, we'll, we'll kill that one off. But the message has to be sent from the coaching staff that if this does happen, guys, you, you got the green light to stand up for each other. We're okay with that. We'll live with the consequences and I think, you know, as much as you want to put it on the players, I think it also has to come from the coaching staff sometimes. What are NHL defensemen thinking when Austin Matthews has the puck on his stick right now? Please don't. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it might end up in my net really quick here. He's been on fire. He's, he's a guy that's just, it's, it's, it's fun to watch him. Um, even, as, even, even just covering the, the team from a lightning perspective, He's, he's one of those guys, like that play last night on, on really close to the net, I, I'm looking at it and I'm thinking there's there's absolutely no holes in Johansson. And he just kind of a real cheeky move with the backhand move and slides it into the, the right post there. I, that's just a guy that's feeling confident with the puck and, and just a true goal scorer. Yeah, it's uh, it's really nice to see, and it's funny, you know, we'd all kill for his down year of 40 goals last year, but it's uh, it's certainly been a different animal with uh, 13 through through his first uh, first 12 now, dreaming of us uh, up here, anyways, getting back to uh, to the to the 60 goal mark. You know, there's there's been a lot of talk about uh, the banged up nature of the Leafs blue line now, and I mean, you you played in the league a long time, I'm sure you played on some cores that were really healthy, and you felt like you were humming, and I'm sure you played on on groups that were held together by kind of scotch tape. Sometimes we see teams not play better, but it does feel like maybe play a little more structure. Is it just the fact that teams, when there are a lot of injuries on the blue line or a lot of injuries as a total, they feel like they have to kind of lock in more, stay a little more structured. Cause it does seem like, you know, it's counterintuitive to think, but we've seen so many times over the last handful of years, just here in Toronto of a run of defenseman injuries. And the team is actually able to play kind of some of their best uh, defensive hockey because of it. Have you experienced anything like that in your career? I would say that's a fair assessment. There's a certain there's a certain comfort that you get when you know it's like, hey, we are we are held like you said, we're held together here by scotch tape. And and the best the best thing you can do is keep it simple. And that's kind of what I saw from the Leafs for the most part last night was they were keeping it simple. There was not a lot of risk taking. It was a lot of getting back through the dots and making sure that you don't the last thing you want to do is give the lighting any sort of odd man rushes and even a three on two is is extremely dangerous we saw the two rush goals that the lightning scored last night on the rush but it's 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 a mentality from the the leafs defenseman that we have to defend first and offense if it's there but err on the case of defense 
How good is this Lightning team? I mean, they're, they're going to get Andre Vasilevsky back at apparently the end of this month. They, they're they tied on points with the Leafs with 14, despite yeah not having their best player. I mean, is this is this still a – are we still looking at the Bruins, Lightning, and Leafs as the top three in the, in the Atlantic division? What can you – what can you take away from the fact that they've more than held their their head above water without their best player through what twelve games now? I think very much like the Leafs, they're still trying to find exactly what their identity is going to be for this year. They've integrated basically a bottom, a, a brand new bottom six, and those guys are are trying to find their way. I, I don't think there's ever going to be a problem with the top line, much like you guys with. Marner and Matthews, Kucherov and Point, they're going to drive the bus offensively for the Lightning. Kind of up to the rest of the team to figure out exactly where they're going to plot in. And, you know, there's been a little bit of talk about some changes they've made to the system. Last night in a couple goals I'm watching, and it just looks like there's just a, a slight hesitation. And that hesitation in the defensive zone is going to open up seams, and there's just a little bit of confusion and things that they're going to have to work through. Obviously, getting Vasilevsky back is going to be huge. His saves above expected is something that's, you know, just so unique in this league. But they're kind of doing the same thing, and they've been a team that's been really good at home. They've struggled on the road. But to be a good team in this league, you have to win on the road and at home. So these are things we're going to have to work through. Yeah, uh, Leafs pulling themselves just at 500 at home. Home ice has been a bit of an issue for the Leafs this season, but not yesterday picking up the overtime victory over the uh, Lightning. Uh, Lightning. Braden, uh, appreciate the time. Thanks for doing this. Guys, thanks for having me on. It was a pleasure. Uh, There's Braden Coburn, Stanley Cup champion defenseman, host of the Block Party podcast, part of the Lightning broadcast crew as they've had to watch their team fritter away multi-goal deficits or multi-goal leads to the Toronto Maple Leafs in consecutive appearances this season to start the uh, the year. Yeah, it's not been good. I was just quickly looking through his hockey DB page. Uh, Boffo, save that number. I want to talk to that guy in the summer when uh, it's just baseball going on because he has played with all of my favorite guys to ask questions about. It's like Hal Gill and Scott Hartnell and he had Mike Richards and Jeff Carter and then the Tampa team. So that guy's lived uh, uh, quite the hockey life. I uh, love that chat. You know, something we haven't gotten to about hmm. yesterday's game hmm. was special teams. Oh, right. We kind of touched on it that you're allowed to not give Nikita Kucherov a clean one-timer. We did. we did. Yeah. But and that was about it. Yeah. <laughs> no doubt you you are allowed to. And you know what? There was, I believe, if not two power play goals, at least one of the power play goals, at least one of the three goals that uh, Ely Samsonov allowed in that first period on the four shots in Tampa was on the power play. Yep. It was like the first shot. Like right off a of face-off yes. on the power play that he allowed mm-hmm. off the stick of again Nikita Kucherov, shocker on a one-timer. Um, but yeah, you are allowed to make that save. You know who made the saves on the third Tampa Bay Lightning power play? Joseph Wall. I mean, yeah, no doubt this team is missing some pretty integral penalty killers from a year ago, and they're turning over a big part of their personnel on that side of the special teams. Mm-hmm. But a big part of it is also goaltending. They're in the bottom half in save percentage shorthanded this season. You're going to give up high danger opportunities on the penalty kill, especially to a power play that's been as dominant as the Lightning's Mm -hmm. has over this decade-long run. I wonder how much of the discourse around what has been a pretty rough-looking penalty kill this season 
does surround the goaltending. Yeah, it's a, it's a fair thing to point out, but I don't know. When was the last time Matthews had to look that clean on the power play? Yeah. Like, there. It's kind of that simple. Like, the Leafs have uber-talented players, and if they can't get those looks and the Lightning can, it's not like I ju- that right there nakedly points that, for sure, goaltending has to be your best penalty killer always. But I think that's what I, I point to of just personnel. All right, time now for the Wake and Rake, presented by Sports Interaction, your homegrown sports book, Bet Local. Trio of games uh, in the NHL on Sportsnet tonight, 7.30. It's the Red Wings and Rangers at MSG, and it's the Rangers' heavy favorites, minus 161. The Red Wings, plus 135, coming off that big victory in mm-hmm. regulation over the, the Bruins. I think I like the underdogs on the road here. I would like that as well. Also, if you like the Red Wings, I think you got to like the over. That's what they do. They score a lot of goals, and uh, I know Shesterkin possibly playing in that one. Rangers, not a bad defensive team by any means, but they could pile it up as well. So, uh, yeah, maybe that you look at the uh, Rangers, or sorry, the Red Wings money line and then the over as well. Yeah, total is six in that hockey game at 9 o'clock on uh, Sportsnet west for calgary flames regional viewers uh it is the flames hosting the nashville predators the flames snapping their six game losing streak with a win over the seattle kraken and they are favored in this hockey game minus 133 i don't feel nearly as as passionate about this one but yeah i i think i would take the the uh, the home favorite in that one, I, I guess, on the puck line, minus uh, one and a half goals, uh, plus 180 for the Flames. Mm, okay, yeah, if you go with the spread there, I'm just going to go Preds on the money line. Uh, Alberta stinks until proven otherwise. So Preds <laughs> on the money line, plus 110. And then the nightcap, 10 p.m. on Sports at 1. The Devils in Denver taking on an avalanche team coming off that embarrassing 7 nothing loss to the Vegas Golden Knights Heavy favorites for them, minus 175 on the money line. I love the spread, the puck line spread at minus one and a half for an avalanche team that, yeah, was embarrassed against a team that they, I'm sure, feel equal to. Plus 135, minus one and a half goals for them against the Devils team without its best player. Yeah, that's the part of this that matters more to me is the Devils missing their best player. The total of uh, six and a half. Uh, if a light, if the or sorry, if the Avalanche are going to be motivated, they're going to be motivated to lock it down as well. So uh, I'm with you on the spread. And if you're going to like that, probably take the under at uh, of six and a half as well. That was the Wake and Rake presented by Sports Interaction, your homegrown sports book. Bet local. When we come back. Our guy, Sam McKee of Real Kipper and Born, as the Maple Leafs snap their four-game losing streak, win yet another overtime game against the Tampa Bay Lightning. That and more next as the Fan Morning Show continues. Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan.